0: Paula, we got Liz on the line here. What do you want to ask her?
1: What are like three key lessons that kind of change your whole perspective about sales skills? You know, I think selling it
2: to me is service. I wouldn't sell something to someone that didn't need it. And I never did that. Capital raising, I think, is the biggest thing, the biggest hang up people have to grow an investor base. My opinion is that you need to make their goals probably bigger than your own. Because if you're going to serve them and give them what they need and want by building their wealth, you're going, to bring, you're going to build your own wealth. Now, I'm not saying you get in a situation where you're giving them what they need and you like lose on every deal. But there are times that you have to forego something to give them what they needed before you got what you
1: needed.
0: Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high-yield returns through apartment complex investing. This is episode number 135 and part of our Ask the Expert series. Today, we have experienced investor Liz Faircloth and aspiring investor Paul Nichols. Keep listening to learn how to use your sales skills to raise capital for your real estate investments. And now, the show. Welcome to the Diary Department Apartment Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe with Four Oaks Capital. Very excited for today's show. We have two amazing women on the line with us today. We've got Liz Faircloth and Paula Nichols. So first, we're going to talk about Liz and, and Liz is absolutely amazing. And first thing I want to talk to you about, Liz, is the real estate investor community. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So so nice to be here, Brian, on your podcast and everything. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Um, and Paul, nice to connect with you too. So yeah, my, my partner and friend at the time, Andressa, about three years ago, we were kind of partnering on, on a lot of different projects and deals together. We were doing some flips and new construction in Philadelphia. And long story short, we'd get together over coffee and be like, wouldn't it be great to get more women together and, and supporting each other in this business? Because you go to a lot of these events and you feel like you're the only woman in the room. Uh, yeah. often so uh so he's googled it googled it like as as most of us do and we couldn't really find much so he said you know we have nothing else going on we had mm-hmm. you know young child being kind of funny but yeah. we were like really passionate about empowering women and creating like a circle of women and lots of circles of women to support each other so we started the podcast yep. which led to like an online facebook community like a free community where women can get and give support which then led to women saying, hey you know, let's do, you know, let's maybe do some meetups. So Andres and I launched a Philadelphia meetup about two years ago mm-hmm. uh, where women would come. And again, you know, similar to some meetups, but more so like a safe space for women to get yeah. the support they need. And, you know, that then grew to 45 meetups. We have around the country and three in Canada. And our oh. goal is to have a meetup in every single geographical area of our, our globe, the big mm-hmm. goal, but we're we're, you know, really focused on it. So women have a local community and have mm-hmm. a global community that they can kind of, uh, pour into, but also get the support they need. And that's what our mission is, is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life We're we're doing um, memberships and you know, a lot of non-paid things, a lot of free things. And then as women have asked for things, we're putting things together to give them what they need. And our summit's coming up, which is really exciting as well on June 12th. So yep. I love it. I, I feel like all my skills and all my passions have come together. And I literally, I'm just, I literally love what we do with building yep. this community. So
0: and I can tell you're absolutely passionate about it, and I think it's something this community needs. I mean, it's it has been historically a male-dominated industry, and you know there, there's just lots of women that want to get in, need to get in, and I think for a lot of people, it's almost like that the door's closed for women. So, very much appreciate what you're doing. I do notice you have on the wall behind you the uh, Ashley Wilson's book, Only Woman yeah. in the Room. I actually bought that and sent it to my daughter. So she's 21 years old and uh, she'll, she'll be reading it too. Incidentally, she's the podcast editor um, as well. So um, she'll, she'll hear this and she, she, she's the biggest fan. She listens to every single episode in more detail than anybody else. Of course she's editing it, but uh, (laughs) um, anyway, I appreciate that. And tell us a little bit more about this meetup Uh, June 12th. You said, how can people learn more about that and and where can they? Yeah, exactly.
2: So we we uh, started, you know, as as women have said, when are we doing an investor summit? When are we doing Mm -hmm. an investor conference? Let's all get together because there's oh close to seven thousand women in our Facebook community now, which you know there's a lot of women who want to like or who are helping Mm -hmm. each other, right? They want to connect. So we launched our first summit last year during obviously during COVID and the craziness. We did it virtually uh, last June, and then we said let's let's do it uh, virtually again, but we're really building out more of an experience. So it's June twelfth. Uh, We're going to have a pre-event. We're going to do like um, a mastermind session. We're even putting women in in, in accountability groups. So from a networking perspective and an accountability perspective, they're actually going to get teamed up with a a nice, small, knit group with contact information. So after the conference, right, Brian, you know, you go to these things. Oh, yeah. You learn some great information, and then you do nothing with it. And we really wanted to avoid that this year. There's going to be some amazing Speakers. We have Lisa Nichols on too. She's gonna nice. be uh speaking. She was a star in The Secret. So she's our keynote. We're mm-hmm. really excited about that. Um but yeah, it's uh, pretty much our website, the realestateinvestor.com slash level up. And okay. uh, that's our theme. So uh yeah, pretty, pretty excited about it. we're just all, all of our energy and our time and our we're definitely pouring ourselves into that to, to prep because we've about a month.
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna be an awesome event. Um, I mean everything you've done. I've I've talked to a lot of people on this this particular media who have who've or this particular podcast who have talked about your meetups and oh, e- even offline you know when when you talk to them they're like hey i really got started through the investor meetup in los angeles or seattle or, or whatever so great program you have and for anybody listening the link that she just mentioned is going to be in the show notes so okay, just go to the show notes tap it and and you'll get all the information you want so that said let's let's talk more about you specifically, Liz, what's, uh, can you tell us about your background your history and kind of what got you into, uh, apartment investing?
2: Sure. Yeah. I, I wish it just like, you know, we woke up one day and like, oh, I want to, we want to buy apartment buildings. But I I know, just, right? It just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, long story short, my, uh, I was actually getting my master's degree in social work. I actually mm-hmm. wanted to open my own practice and be a counselor. And, uh, I think I still am a counselor. I just don't have a, a right. De- designation, right yeah so that's I just love helping people and talking with people but anyway, um during that time I was in my 20s, went straight on from college and my brother-in-law, who was the only entrepreneur I ever met mm-hmm. uh, had you know my dad was a school teacher my mom was amazing, but she worked in insurance I had no kind of exposure to investors or uh, or entrepreneurs or people in business. Mm-hmm quite honestly. And uh, he handed me Rich Dad, Poor Dad and said, you got you to read this. And I liked personal yeah. growth books. And I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm like 21, 20, you know, I might read this book, you know, yeah. um, I'd rather be going out with my friends. And He's like, no, read this. So I read it. Mm-hmm. and And that just kind of blew my mind. Things that I've never even thought about or even were familiar with or even heard of, you know, the idea yeah. of passive income, oh, right? Yeah. Like money, money working for you. Like, whoa, what a concept, you know, yeah. <laughs> that planted the seed. I I did finish my degree that actually created a, a, an opportunity or a possibility for me to actually get a sales job after, after grad mm-hmm. school. So I never went into social work. I worked for a consulting firm doing like um, basically like team buildings and, and consulting in that way. Right. But I, I wanted to learn how to sell. Cause that was one mm-hmm. of the things that uh, Kiyosaki says. That's
0: uh, straight out of his book, straight yep. out of the and book. And I'm like,
2: yep. I got to learn how to sell. I love helping people. Like I could yeah. do that with my eyes closed, but selling, mm-hmm. I don't even know the first thing. So it was a, you know, it was a really neat way to like trajectory, right? At the mm-hmm. same time I met my husband, boyfriend at the time, gave yeah. him the book. Uh, I got him into real estate investing, by the way, not, not the other way around. And, um, you know, we started um, learning together. So mm-hmm. every weekend we'd get together, we'd go to like RIA meetings and learn and learn and learn. Year later, Um, My father loaned us money, loaned us a $30,000 to buy Mm -hmm. our first property, which is a duplex right outside of Philadelphia, a little row home. Uh, a little town called Roxborough. And we just door knocked, we like bootstrapped every weekend. We literally just walk around and knock on doors and see Mm -hmm. if people want to sell their houses to us. literally, that's what we did on our weekends. Um, And I kind of think about that. I'm like, God, we really worked hard just to find that first deal. I I was thinking
0: that sounds very romantic for a courtship. I know, right? Most
2: people in their twenties were going like drinking and partying and him and I would get together and write business plans and talk about, you know, all that kind of funny stuff, you know, but it was important to us. So, Mm Long story short, that got us into multifamily. That got us into investing. He quit his job when we got married, uh, Mm -hmm. 2005. I kept doing the work that I was doing for the next probably eight years. Mm -hmm. And we started building up our portfolio from there. I'd like to say it was like, you know, one property and the next property, and then we were financially free and, oh, yay. Like, that's just, that wasn't our path. We've been doing this for some time and we had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of mistakes we made. But then once we really focused on multifamily, things really started to grow from there. And then we were able to scale in yeah. a much more effective way than we did probably in the first number of years of our of our business. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's I our th- focus now is long-term. Yeah, I, I
0: think I think a lot of people have the idea that you go in you buy one or two properties and you're financially free and mm-hmm. honestly I have not talked to a single person who's who's done it that way. You know, so yeah. it's it's one of those things where you know I think this is going to be episode 135 so you know right? 34 prior to this zero people have gone, well yeah, I bought a property and now I'm financially free. that that doesn't work ups and downs for everybody. But so let's, let's talk a little bit. This is, this is one of my favorite questions. And if, if anybody's listened to the podcast a lot, I have a lot of favorite things, you know, everything's my favorite, but uh, (laughs) what is your big burning? Why your, your motivation for, for what you do?
2: Yeah. And this really stems back to like literally 15 years ago (laughs) in talking with, with my now husband and, and, you know, him and I would get together and be like, you know what do we want to do with our lives? Like, yeah, it's really tough. You know, we were very deep, both of us. You know, it's nice to meet someone like that because you know you meet people who are like, oh, what's the weather? And I'm like, what is your what is your like greatest goal in your life? And he's like, whoa, <laughs> this is intense. You know, like slow down. Yeah, get slow down. You know, but um, but anyway, I think um, and it, it's probably similar to him. But I, I've always been someone who um, I wanted to do a lot. I wanted to give a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to contribute a lot. I didn't know what that meant at the time. I didn't know what that looked like at the time. But that was a that's a big burning why for me. Yeah. Um, money is money, right? Mm-hmm. We need money to sustain ourselves. I love build, the idea of building something generational yeah. um, that my kids can can benefit from. But then there's you know there's other things that you start to think about, right? You yeah. start to think about do you, do you really want your kids to be given things? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and and you want them to work hard, just like. I was talking to my husband the other day and he's like, you know, if we were given so much, would we have worked as hard as we did? I don't know. I'd say probably not. Right. So, so anyway, the the idea of building wealth is is for our families is a really important thing, but I'm certainly not going to give it all to my kids. They're going to work really hard and they're not even going to know about it. Quite honestly, there's a whole, you know, we're putting our heads together around that The kids are young. I don't have to worry about it right now, but I have to think about it. But um, I think the why of the contribution and really helping a lot of people. My mm-hmm. husband and I wanted to do that 15 years ago. I literally remember talking to him about it. We both have had this like inner pull of just wanting to be of service to people. I didn't know what that meant or how, but mm-hmm. you know, that was always a, an important part of my life.
0: Yeah. And that's I, a big I, why for me. Yeah. I know, I know the real estate investor, you know, community that you've built is is doing that absolutely. So, you know, kudos to you for for that and for your your generous heart. I mean, I think that's important. I think giving back is, you know probably one of the most, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for praiseworthy things that, uh, that someone can do. So, um, well, let's shift gears one more time. And, uh, there's a lot, a lot of shifting gears in this podcast. We'll, we'll find that out. I guess that's, that's one of my favorite phrases too, but, uh, um, let's talk about one of the, the apartment deals that that you've done. Can you give us an idea of, of how things panned out and and why it's your favorite?
2: Yeah. I think about like the path, right? Because mm-hmm. there's certain, there's certain deals that kind of like bring you to the next level or
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's like a the trajectory shifts for you, you know? And we had um, started raising money. Uh, we had done um, small multis. We had done a 10 unit and then we did an 18 unit. Mm-hmm. And then from, and everything was within a half hour of our radius. So the first eight years of our investing, we did not invest out of state, Mm-hmm. Out oh, of state, it was in Philadelphia, but it was with, right. it was within thirty minutes of our. And
0: you're we, you're southern New Jersey, right?
2: We were in like central Jersey. Yeah, central we were in Jersey, the Trent, Okay. Yep, we were in the Trenton area. So we did okay. all of our investing in, in um, central Jersey and 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 like I said, Philadelphia. And we were presented an opportunity uh, about an hour and a half mm-hmm. from our from our house, which kind of you know blew your mind because you're like. How's my, how's my leasing person going to get there? And how's yeah. my bookkeeper going to do this? And, you know, we, we were such in our own little mind that we're like, how are we going to do this? You know, it's mm-hmm. an hour and a half drive. <laughs> and, you know, so uh, we started to um, source it and figure it out. And and uh, we went up there. It was a 49 unit uh, right outside of Lancaster, a uh, great mm-hmm. area about five years ago. And um, that kind of like shifted our whole business model going from really the idea of, you know, small multis to larger multi, and also going outside your comfort zone. Really, mm-hmm. you know, and and having to work potentially with a third party management company, which would have been the first time we managed yeah. everything ourselves, our team. So we we said, okay, we're open to the possibility. We're not sure exactly how we're going to make this work, but let's 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 explore it. So you know, the long and short of it, the um, we made an offer, we did our numbers, and I always like to say, you know, you got to know your numbers, you got to make your offer, you got to stand by your offer. Mm-hmm. Especially in this market.
0: Yeah, now, <laughs> people, now especially.
2: Oh my God, people are paying crazy amount of money for properties. And I think that's unfortunate. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be helpful in a few years when they start to be like, what was the thinking behind that? Yeah. You got to know your numbers. You got to stand by your numbers and you got to be willing to walk away. Mm-hmm. And we love this property. This is converted factory, like like really neat law style apartments, mm-hmm. like totally um, the next level for us. This wasn't, yeah. there wasn't the type of apartments we were investing in at the time. So we were excited about it. We really liked it. We loved the areas. We we explored. right by a train station. I mean, everything, mm-hmm. checked the, every box, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you think about Brian, like, you know, every box. Yeah. So oh, long true. story short, Perfect. we um we made an offer uh, and it was uh the asking was 3.8 million. Mm-hmm. We offered 3.3. Mm-hmm. Um, owner laughed at us, said I there's no way we have all these people are interested. We're like, okay, when we walked yeah. away. Um, and we knew the broker because he had sold us the 18 units. We had a relationship okay. with him. Six months later, he calls us. He goes, "You know that building that you guys made an offer on? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the owner's um, payments due. Uh, if he doesn't make a deal happen, because the other the other offer that he got uh, fell through, mm-hmm. buyers couldn't get to the you know the um, buyers couldn't get to the, to the closing table. If he doesn't do something within the next six weeks, he's going to lose the building. Wow. So he's motivated, you know, and he was very honest with us, and he was fine to be honest with us. Mm-hmm. And he says something's going to something has to change here. He's got to get this thing to closing." So, yeah, he's more open to talking to you about your offer. (laughs) So, you know, long story short, we ended up uh, settling, I think, at 333. I think it was Mm -hmm. right there. And um, it was such an interesting story because when we went to closing, and because of what we offered and what we were buying it for and what it actually appraised for was so different, we had to actually sign a letter. The bank had to sign a letter saying there was not a relationship between Mm -hmm. us and the, the owner. That was the first time we ever had it even yeah. signed. Some, so really interesting. We're like, wow, that's that's actually something where yeah. people make a handshake deal and it's so off, right? Yeah. The bank is like, this doesn't seem right. Is, is, so.
0: this tax, is it tax evasion? Is probably the, the right. thing that they're looking at.
2: Yeah, exactly. They, they want to make sure
0: they're not uh, part and parcel to a, a yep. tax evasion. So promise.
2: so we had to sign off that we weren't related to the owner mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting. And uh, but yeah, it appraised for, for a lot more than than we bought it for. We had finally had someone who was motivated. And it was a very fair price for what mm-hmm. we saw as the numbers, quite honestly. It wasn't like yeah. this low ball. It was actually very fair. Um and now it's five years ago. Uh and, and it's probably one of my favorite assets in the portfolio. Oh, wow. Um and where we have uh, actually it's on it had it came with land, so we're we're building um on that land as well. So we we're nice. we've, team up with a construction team and we'll be adding units. So just, uh, I can't say that for all of our deals, quite honestly, yeah. but it's one of those projects that I, I see the, the case study and not being willing to walk, being knowing your numbers, being willing mm-hmm. to walk away, standing firm to your numbers, and then being able to really get into a market and stretch yourself. So we hired a third-party company, mm-hmm. they're managing it for us. And then that opened the door to all the properties we ended up buying after that in the Southeast working with third-party companies. Yeah. And so we don't self-manage anymore. So that kind of shifted our trajectory. Yeah. Um, I can't say it's been, you know, there's, listen, there's challenges when you're not managing it anymore yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because we're used, we were used to that, but I'm appreciative of that project being that kind of like a little bit like that pivot for us, if you will.
0: Nice. Yeah. And that th- that's good on a lot of different levels. I mean, I, I love how you, you pick that example because it, it changed your trajectory, you know? And I think a lot of people have that, that one moment where, you know, Hey, this is my favorite deal because it opened my mind to the possibilities and yep. the third party management now opens so many more doors, you know, it's yeah. just like, okay, now I can, now I can invest outside of, and, and, quite frankly, 90 minutes away, you know, for, for most apartment investors. In
2: hindsight, it wasn't very far, but at far. the time it felt like it was on the other part of the country. It yeah. really did. It felt like we were going into like another country and it, yeah. obviously that's not the case, you know? Yeah. so
0: Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people have the same little mental blocks. It's like, well, I've always invested in my little, my little mm-hmm. circle, you know, what happens if I go outside? Oh, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, great, great example. Thanks a lot for that one. Now, uh, one question for you before we bring Paula on, or one, one more question for you. What's next for you?
2: You have to keep asking that your, for yourself. Like, and, and I'm, I'm not a fan of someone who just says, "Oh, I want more units," or mm-hmm. "I want this or that," without knowing why, you know, and really the, the purpose of it. Because as you grow, uh, you know, a business, <laughs> more people need to talk to you, right? There's mm-hmm. more things to do, right? So there's always pluses and minuses to growing anything, and being mindful of like smart growth. And lifestyle growth, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me and and my husband, we're actually, uh, he's, in the, he's in the throes of building out a fund that's going to be a little more diversified, you know, mm-hmm. and just, you know, that was a big thing we learned, you know, with COVID. I mean, our multifamily, like the property that I just spoke of, and some of our properties literally never had a better year since COVID. And so, I I, I mean, multifamily, I think, is a very stable asset class, if you will. But it also showed us like how important it is to have some more diversification. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this fund is gonna be a little more diversified, like lending out money for hard money to to people and operators we respect. So I'm excited about that because we're not gonna just invest in our own deals, which mm-hmm. has always been the case. We're gonna like be a little more diversified in terms of working with other operators. My husband and I have operated everything, like literally bootstrapped, operated everything. So as we move into this phase of okay, what do we wanna be doing with our time and energy? It's also about, I don't want to be operating everything. So even being more passive, mm-hmm. uh, working with other people and, and passively investing, I've, you know, we've always been the active people looking for the passive invest investors. So we're actually getting into the space of partnering with people too, where we're not do, doing all the doing, but yeah. actually, you know, uh, which is new for us, quite honestly, we like for a long, long time, we're doing all the doing. So yeah. I'm excited about that and, and, uh, and what have you, and, um, and, and Invest Her, I, I'm just, uh, I love, it's a passion. It is a business, but it started as a passion and it is still a passion of mine. So mm-hmm. I don't know where that's going to to lead. I just want to help a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and and that's, if I do that and I hear women are like buying properties and taking care of their families and and happy, then I'm, I'm going to be very, very happy myself. Yeah, so.
0: yeah I love it. And, and what you said about, you know, going from active to passive, you know, I, I think, that's personally my goal, you know. Right, right now we're active. We're we're deal sponsoring. You're, you know, we we got something under contract right now, yep. and, and trying to syndicate it and look for passive investors. But, you know, eventually I, w- I want to make that same switch. Eventually, I want to be 100% passive. I'm also at the point right now where I'm starting to look at other people's investments for passive investing, which is neat. It's fun, you know, and yeah. it's it's going to be a lot easier than bootstrapping, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, great. So here here we are now. We're at the point where you know, we're going to bring Paula on and Paula has been patiently waiting. So (laughs) Paula Nichols, welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, not a problem. And incidentally, bios for both these amazing women will be in the show notes. So if you want to check out the bios there, they're down there. But uh, Paula, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us an idea of what your background and history is and kind of lead us up to the point to where you decided I want to be an apartment investor.
1: Yeah, similar to Liz, we started with bootstrapping. Um, my husband was an aerospace engineer for Bell, and I was a management consultant with finance background. Um, and we read rich that poor that and that changed our whole perspective of real estate. Uh, so we started investing in single family, then did some short-term rentals, which we currently still have. Um, and kind of what you were saying, like, as you start seeing <laughs> uh, and your mind is being open to different asset classes and investing opportunities, we realized that multifamily was kind of like something that we really wanted to explore and focus on. And so last year was when we started our multifamily journey and through the Michael Blanc program, started mm-hmm. investing passively first. And now we have our first cylinder contract. Oh, awesome. Exciting.
0: Yeah, amazing. Now, if I remember right. Oklahoma right yes okay great, great. Awesome. yeah and incidentally um, for, for everyone else uh, her husband Jonathan was uh, on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and you know you can just scroll back and and listen to that one too if you want to get the full story for for the Nichols family but, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah congratulations on having that under contract you know that that's a huge first step you know I was also a, a Michael Blanc you know coaching student a couple of years back and you know great program great way to get started so um congratulations to you guys now i asked the same question i asked liz you know what's your big burning why
1: yeah i would love to provide like a quick history of my burning why um let's do it i am colombian and so my family moved with political political asylum to the u.s uh, in 2006 and my parents invested in the stock market without knowing how to work through all of that. And in 2008, it crashed. And so all of their life savings were in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. They also bought a house with a um, arm. And so that did not go well. And so mm-hmm. I saw with my eyes just, what being um, uneducated and maybe just unaware um, could do to your finances. And so I really wanted to create a way that I'm able to use my finance background um, and provide tools and opportunities for people to passively invest, grow their wealth, and in that way have the time and resources to leave their calling, right? Because sometimes we're not able to leave our calling if we don't have the resources and time to to do so. So um, that's kind of our burning why and why Jonathan and I decided to Um, co-found Apogee Capital, which is the multifamily syndication business we have.
0: Nice, nice. Now, incidentally, um, where where in Colombia were you guys living?
1: We were living in Neiva. It's a capital of a state around four hours from Bogota. Not many people know about it, but yeah.
0: You know, I, have spent a couple of weeks in Bogota and a week in Cartagena. So, you know, my, yeah. my day job that I'm retiring from, you know, I'm a foreign area officer is what it's called. So, you know, I, I get to go to places like Bogota and Cartagena pre COVID it was at least once a year, but, mm. uh, um, Amazing. And, and knowing a little of history, understand why your family, you know, wanted to come here in 2006 timeframe. Cause it wasn't, there was a lot of things there that just weren't safe. So
1: they work for the government as well. So it just didn't yeah, yeah. make sense for them anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of bad stuff happening back then, but you guys made it here. And I imagine that was not easy, um, by itself, but, uh, uh, I got a lot of respect for, you know, immigrants who come here and, you know, start a new life and, uh, learn new language and new culture and everything. So, you know, hats off to you for, and, and your parents for, for what you guys have done. So thank you. Um, We're
1: very thankful for living in the US. Yeah. So.
0: But, uh, all right. So here is my other favorite part of the show. It's where I get to say, Hey, Paula, we got Liz on the line here. What do you want to ask her?
1: Yeah, well, Liz, thanks again for your time. And I loved hearing about just your experience um, you mentioned sales skills and they don't teach those in business school. And so <laughs> I'm curious to hear. I'm pretty new to the sales road as, uh, role as well um, as I'm focusing on like capital raising for a business. What are like three key lessons that kind of change your whole perspective about sales skills and um, maybe anything that any books or anything that you read or learned from um, that really yeah. helped you? So I
2: taught a lot of workshops in my. With my corporate role, we worked with a personality assessment. Number one, that you teach the managers to help them figure out their management skills and what you know their hangups are, their strengths, their gaps. The other course that I taught a lot was is, is a course called customer focused selling. So I, I want to share some of those things that I learned as I taught that and that I use, quite honestly, you know, in my, in my own approach. Because yeah, certainly raising money, working with brokers, working with banks, working with you know, tenants, right. It, it's all, you know, I think selling it to me is service. Number one, um, I wouldn't sell something to someone that they didn't need it. And I never did that because that to me, that's not even sales, right. It's like literally someone giving, you know, selling something that they don't need is not my way of approaching anything. So just put that to the side. So I see sales as service and I always have, and I really believe that it can help if I'm going to be talking with someone. So Capital raising, I think, is the biggest thing. The biggest hangup people have is, number one, they talk about themselves and their own goals and to really build out an investor base. I mean, we started with one investor and we have over 200 investors. And to, to grow an investor base, my opinion, is that you need to make their goals probably bigger than your own, because if you're going to serve them and give them what they need and want. By building their wealth, you're going to bring you're going to build your own wealth. Now, I'm not saying you get in a situation where you're giving them what they need and you like lose on every deal. Like that wouldn't make any sense. Obviously, you're not building your wealth, you're not helping yourself. But there are times that you have to forego a, a something to give them what they needed before you got what you needed, and there's not everyone in this world would be able to do that. So, so to me, going back to sales is it's not just sales, but it's a mindset in working with people and working with their money. You're managing their money, you know, you're a fund manager, really. And and people who do that, like right, it's it's like you're protecting their money. And I take that really seriously because we've had really bad things happen to us along the way. Not just losing five grand here or a flip didn't go w- way we thought. I mean, like literally millions, thousands of dollars being stolen from us um, and our investors and and really managing that process. So not that's what you asked here. But what I want to say though, is it's really important in sales is that you think of it as a service and that you put their world and their goals ahead of yours, but but yours are there. You know, you, and, you know a project has to make sense. So you meet your goals, they meet theirs and you really create that win-win. So that off the bat is just philosophically something I would get, you know, thinking about because not every project is going to be perfect for that person. So in other words, People are trying to like, you know, capital raise and they're like, I got this long-term deal five to 10 years and this person wants to retire in a year It may not work for them, you know, or, or they, everyone has different goals. So getting to know what they want and need, really getting to know what they want and need by asking, like, I always say investigative questions. I used to teach that, like, not like what, what are your goals, but like, tell me a little bit more, more about where you want to be in five years. I, I would ask every investor that question. You need to know that if you're going to be working with them and their money, you need to know what their goals are, because the sooner you get them to their goals, the sooner you'll be able to get to your own goals. And that's just philosophically something that Matt and I have always believed. It wasn't about making a short buck or we want these people to work with us ongoingly, just like Brian does, just like you do, right? You want these yeah. folks to be like part of your team. I think the other thing with customer folk, like really thinking about the customer or the, the person you're serving, the last thing would be building a long-term relationship. You know, most people are just like, they go in and out. Oh, you know, I have this project. They're like, no, it's not the right timing. I have my money tied up with Brian or whomever, you know, (laughs) that, you know, and it's a small world in our our syndication world. Right. And there's a lot of good people out there. So it's nice to be able to refer each other and work with a lot of different syndicators. But anyway, you need to be able to okay, great. How can I keep adding value to this person? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So creating like that thought leadership for yourself, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's a daily post about something that you and your husband are doing, um, think about your story. Your story is super inspiring. I mean, it's so inspiring. I would play into that. Like, that's your story. Like, you know, and what does that look like? And what can you share with the world? And like, you have such a beautiful story. So my point in saying that is I don't think most people, when they think about influencing people, they think they getting really clear on your kind of like, like position. And you're like, what can you give to the world is going to attract more people. There are people who call us and say, Hey, I know you from this, or I've seen you this, or I read your book, Matt, I want to invest with you. And that's like, well, I'd love to know more about your goals. No, no, I'm ready to like it's, So it's like, mm-hmm. wow, like, I still want to get to know you and your goals. But why, why I'm saying that is because people want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. They're vetting you out more than the deal. The deal is yeah. important, but People want to invest with people they trust and like and know they're going to protect their money. So I guess that's a long-winded answer. But I think thinking you're not a salesperson, you're in service, you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out a win-win, put their goals ahead of yours. Make sure you get your goals met, though. Don't do it at a de- detriment of your own. And And lastly, is build a long-term relationship by ongoingly creating value for people on yeah. some mm-hmm. level. So if they're not ready now, they're going to keep hearing about you versus just when you have a deal. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's a really neat couple that you know, you know, so not enough people do that, they just want stuff and they want to close on things and they don't think about the ongoing value. <laughs> we're in this for the long term, me and my husband, yeah, for the long term, but we always have been. We're, we're in this, this is a long game, this is a long game, and mm-hmm. if you come from that place, you're creating value and you're being in service. I don't think you could ever go wrong, so. yeah.
0: Amazing. Great, great answer. I, I can't. I can't improve on that, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Super helpful. And I'm taking notes. Um, The second question I had was a little bit separate from, you know, capital raising, but mainly business focus is, I know you started with with bootstraps, right? Like bootstrapping and doing all the work. How did you sought and achieved healthy growth for your business? So how did you determine, okay, now we're going to invest the money here instead of saving it or instead of us going and door knocking we're going to hire someone and so how do you transition and how do you evaluate that step? Great question, and that's and that's a
2: continual question, right? Because you know it's always something that you're. You never have the money that you want to pay people. Like you you Mm -hmm. know, it's like it's like when when people are like, "Oh, I'm ready, I'm ready for kids now." Like most people don't usually. They're like, (laughs) "You're never ready for kids." No, no, you're not. You're not. You're just never going to be. So I I would say the same thing for people who hire their first person. Mm -hmm. You're not going to think you're ready. You're not going to think you're going to have enough money. Um, Now I'm not saying go. You know, spend six figures for, for for someone to come into your company, but. I know our first hire, I also, a couple of things. And number one, we never paid ourselves early on. Uh, we were just kind of reinvesting or, or or doing this or doing that. Like to be able to pay yourself and create that financial kind of wherewithal is really important. And, and I wish we did that sooner. And I think that's a good financial step to take, even if it mm-hmm. doesn't matter the amount. But just to be able to pay yourself to know like, I'm I'm part of this company. I'm not just the owner. That's really important. And I think that's something most people don't do. So um, before you go and hire people, make sure you're on some level, you know, and again, work that into your numbers and and in that, you know, you have to kind of see that, you know, might start small and you grow it. But more, most importantly, we did invest with, with other people, you know, in in other people, we brought a bookkeeper on a few years probably five years in, I was doing all the bookkeeping. So me and my mm-hmm. husband, here we are like dividing and conquering. You're doing the bookkeeping. I know. Yep. You're, but you have a finance background. Yeah. I, would actually, I would actually think that's a smart idea. Like um, nothing I've said about my background or my values or my, my way of being says that I'm like really good with. I mean, I like yeah. numbers, but not that's not my Yeah. Thing. I
0: mean, social work and sales, that doesn't translate <laughs> to bookkeeping. So no. yeah. And
2: that's what I was doing. I was literally mm-hmm. doing all of our bookkeeping and um, the mortgages would come up. Because you know you're a small business. I do something you. Do. That's how we divide and conquer, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. There was no rhyme or reason to why we divided our our um, responsibilities, not in a smart way, th- at that point. And 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 my husband's like, um, you missed the mortgage this month on our uh, our poor unit. I'm like, no, I didn't. He's like, what is even your process of paying these mortgages? I'm like, well, they come in and I I put them in a pile over here, and I had no process. <laughs> I was just like making up my own process and pretty organized overall. I can be, Mm -hmm. but not when it comes to that. And so anyway, I think I missed two mortgages over like six months. He's like, I'm firing you. This is horrible. (laughs) We're going to like, we had the money. It wasn't even like we missed it because we didn't have the money. But anyway, I just had to step back and say, what are my strengths? What am I good at? And we hired someone. And at the time we were going to bring her on in a Mm part-time way. It was going to cost us $250. And that was a really, really big deal. And I I spent, I mean, I'm, I'm a really cheap person. Spending any money on anything, getting my lawn mowed is a big deal for me because I can do it myself, you know, a kind of person. So, but you have to let go. And we hired mm-hmm. her and it was one of the best things we did. And that just opened up this whole like, wow, we really can bring on some good people to help us. And she was great for the time. And we grew her into a full-time role and then brought in someone to help us manage our properties. And then we transitioned to the third party strategy. And so we had to like dilute some of our, our team but because of, you know, the, the, shift. So I think the most important thing you could do is like, think about, okay, what is the, what does the business need mm-hmm. now? And what is the business going to need? Not just now, but in the next like one year, you know, one, yeah. one year mm-hmm. from now, you know, and, and I think about that, like in one year, what are we going to need? And okay, how can you bring someone on in a way that works for your numbers and works for your comfort level, but does stretch you a little bit. I wish we built a yeah. team yeah. earlier than we did, but you know, it, my husband and I are also people who are just like from very hardworking families and you kind of do everything yourself. And I don't, I don't think that way, even now with our investor community and we're building our team and I need to do a better job of like, okay, what are the needs? You know, like what, 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 I, what do I need to not be doing anymore? You know? And, and how do I let that go? I mean, we, we literally edited all of our podcasts up into a hundred episodes, me and Andressa. Did everything ourselves. Wow. So I've attracted people <laughs> like that in my life. Yeah, who oh like to goodness. do everything yeah. ourselves, <laughs> but we don't anymore, which mm-hmm. is great. And we're learning and we're growing. And as we yes. build people, mm-hmm. you know, so my, my point in saying that is don't wait too long. Um, mm-hmm. Be smart about it, but certainly say, what is like the lowest hanging fruit? You may not mm-hmm. need someone who's going to be like what you need in, in two years, but what do you need now that's going to yeah. help propel you to get to that next stage? Like, what's the low hanging fruit? What are the tasks that really are not the highest and best use of either you or your husband would be where I would start. And then say, okay, how can we creatively get there? I even got into the place of bar, not bartering, but paying someone and also coaching. So giving like our time and resources, right? Mm-hmm. And paying them where they would have maybe been double if I did- we didn't do that. So get creative, the interns, mm-hmm. people who wanna learn from you. Okay. It doesn't have to be this, this straight salary of this high paid person, you can get mm-hmm. creative.
0: Awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, super helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah our, our first hire was along the same lines. You know, uh, for, first thing we did is we outsourced the podcast. And like I said, my, my daughter does that. And great. Uh, obviously, we pay her. But after that, you know, it was the finances. You know, none of the four yeah. of us that started the company have a finance background. Yeah. And that's where we were spending the most time and spinning our wheels the most. And we just realized we need somebody to do this. Right now, we pay her for, for 20 hours a week. And, and that's it. It was, it was the one thing that we, we couldn't do well ourselves and was sucking up a lot of bandwidth. And that, that made sense.
2: Yep. And a lot of good accountants actually have bookkeeping services. So we loved our accountant and and we loved what, because it was like, you know, just that's weight in gold is having a good accountant in real estate. Right. (laughs) Especially as you scale and grow, it's like, that's incredibly important. He had a service that once we let go, we, you know, our team wasn't going to be the best fit and our bookkeeper, they took on those responsibilities. So that's like a one-stop shop. And paying that bill was four times what I was paying or three times what we were paying the bookkeeper. And at that time was like, how are we going to do this? Yeah. And we figured
1: yeah. it out. So you figure it out. You husband, know? And I tried to tell my husband, like finance is not accounting. Like I did take a many accounting things. courses, but this is not what I love. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so we're definitely hiring a bookkeeper after this. Yeah. So Good. <laughs> All
0: right. We got time for one more question. So Paula, back to you.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to the way that you're helping women, When did you start, when did you feel like you transitioned from building your business to influence women or have you, did you start influencing women since the beginning and how, how was that transition?
2: Hmm. So when I was in graduate school, um, getting my social work degree, I took a business course and I just wanted to take an, cause after that book, I'm like, I gotta take a course. So I took this Mm -hmm. course and they said, write a business plan. And the business plan I wrote 20 years ago or more than 20 years ago was, um, really a women's organization. And it wasn't called Invest Her. That would be really crazy, right? But it wasn't <laughs> called that. It was called, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it was basically supporting women with mental health, with mental health issues and helping them through, because it's the business house in and the focus with, with social work. And I put that aside. I never did it. I never you know, jumped in it, but I've always had this. And Andressa has a similar, different story, but similar pull when she was a lot younger of helping women. So that's always, and even corporate life, I always loved working with my women clients and organizations. So it was always something that was kind of pulled towards me in terms of my own values and what I really enjoyed. I love working with men. They're great. Brian, you're amazing. But I've always been pulled to do to, to that, you know, and helping women in particular. So when I met Andressa, we became friends for many, for a few years before we even partnered together. We started a women's mastermind. It was free. We just literally found some women in bigger pockets and said, hey, do we want to like form a virtual, we use Skype, you know, before Zoom. And um, met every every month, and that was mm-hmm. six years ago. We we did that, and that was great. It was a women focused mastermind, long before Invest Her. So there was all these little seeds, right? It was all these little seeds of things that I was drawn to, and then working with Anjasa and and working with her and her and I just bouncing off of each other, and we work well together. And we had different styles, knowing the two of us, we have very different styles that really complemented it. Uh, mm-hmm. we said, let's let's do something together. I think we could do something. This is really so it started as a passion. We did not even create a business uh until a year in, you know, and uh we're entrepreneurs too, right? So you can't you can't like say, you know, money's bad, like money's great, mm-hmm. money's a resource, like in, in in the sense of it's a resource to help mm-hmm. more people. So we did start to charge for our summit or for we created a membership, and but we also have a bunch of free things too. Mm-hmm. So you know, you start to say, okay, this is also a business, but, but more importantly, it's a passion and something that is kind of like a passion and a business. So I guess the best pa- businesses are passions, right? People yes. will live and sleep it and, and, you know, live in, and, and, you know, sleep in, and, and you get up thinking about ideas and I'll get texts from Andressa like at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, or that woman's mind never, never, shuts off. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know if that helps, but I think when you start to look at your life and say, okay, what are the seeds around me? What are the things I get pulled towards? What are the things that bring me joy? I think we could start to get realized like whatever, whatever people's passions are. I mean, my passions are the same as yours, Paula, the same as Brian's. And I think we have to get quiet enough sometimes because there's a lot of busyness with social media and the world and just life that we will, people could go their whole lives and never even know what their passion is. And I think mm-hmm. that's sad because I think everyone has something in them, but you gotta get quiet enough to listen to it. Um, I have small kids, so I the house is never quiet except now that they're not here, <laughs> but for for a few hours. But you got to spend that time getting quiet. Like, what do you feel pulled towards? You know, and I mean, how would be doing investor if 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 we did everything for free because I love it. But I I love the idea of of then you're charging people and saying this is a value. And then what are we doing with that money? Well, we're investing in supporting more women, so we can create a global community. That's yeah. why we're doing that. Mm-hmm. So that that's what pumps me up about. The business aspect as well, because things take money. <laughs> things yeah. cost, you know. So, so I don't know what 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 pulls you, and what what little kind of like look at your life in the sense of like what breadcrumbs have been dropped, and saying mm-hmm. what is kind of following me
1: on this path, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. And thank you for investing in other women. I feel like that makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. I found many great women in this industry that have like propelled me and encouraged me. So. Right. I'm glad to hear that you have investor.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I have a wife and four daughters. So wow. I mean Yeah. I'm I'm very happy that you have investor too because you know it's it's a resource that, you know, my my daughters could could reach out to and 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 use if they awesome. want it. So that said, we're unfortunately out of time. So one last question for each of you. Liz, you go first. How can investors learn more about you?
2: we're, we're active on Facebook. We're active on Instagram, mm-hmm. but certainly our, um, our website kind of has like kind of everything we're up to right now. It's just yep. the, the, the real estate investor, H E R, uh, yep. .com. And we have meetups, uh, you know, we are, our are everything, everything that is there. So please check mm-hmm. that out. And, um, some of the work that I'm involved in from a, an active perspective or like a multifamily perspective, we have a lot of content around multifamily, especially my husband who, mm-hmm. who runs some of that day-to-day work um, is uh, derosagroup.com. Okay. So you can check out some of the active kind of projects we have going on there.
0: And I mean, several years ago, I, I latched onto that, that uh, to the YouTube channel, you know, with with Matt in front of the whiteboard,
2: you yeah. know, and, and yep. a lot
0: of a lot of good content there. But thank you very much for coming on the show today. I very much appreciate everything that you've shared
2: Oh, and last plug, just really quick. Yep, I'm really bad ahead. at plugging anything, but I, I'm just so excited about our, our conference. So please check that out. Any woman in your life that could, you know, that wants to be part of an event where we're doing business mindset, raising mm-hmm. money, uh, and we have just uh, accountability stuff going on, masterminding. It's June twelfth. So check June that twice. out. Yes. Yeah, right. It's forward slash level up. So I'd love, I'd love to have as many women on there that we're empowering as possible, which is our signature annual event. So, all
0: right. And like I said, that's going to be in the show notes. So anybody can just tap and it'll whisk you away to the website. So <laughs> Paula, same question for you. How can our listeners learn more about you?
1: Yeah, we also have a website and it's apogeemfc.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E-M-F-C.com. And okay. you can also find me on LinkedIn.
0: All right. And link to the website. And we'll put a link to your profile in, in the show notes as well. So people can just, like I said, tap and let the magical internet whisk you away. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to the two of you for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you and there was a lot of value put out today. Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week.